Hey, you're here with Ned Hennigan. You're listening to the Running Rugby Podcast. So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back everyone, Running Rugby Podcast coming back to you for another episode and Brown 17's in the books, uh, Toby and Leo joining me as always. Did you enjoy that weekend of Rugby Boys? Yes. Stupendous. Stupendous. Good, good couple, couple of upsetting games and yeah. Upsetting? Were they upsetting you? <laughs> yeah. Upsetting me that I didn't stick with my tip from like three months ago or four months ago on the Sunwolves <laughs> to win that one game. I went bulls and they bloody, and they came back and won. Hey, we so, all went bulls. I just learned bulls. any team that I actually put money on, they always lose. That's what I learned because I put money on the Hurricanes and the Bulls and they did not win. I learned oh. that I'm only three points away from Leo now in, in leading the tipping, <laughs> so I'm coming for you, Leo. Yeah. That's what I learned. I've been getting over eager on my on my upsets, trying to go perfect rounds. I've not done so well, so sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll consolidate. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, like I changed two this week that I should have got. <laughs> all right, we'll get to all the games in a second, but a bit of news has been coming out this week. First, probably the biggest thing in terms of uh, the Wallabies, especially, is Samu Karevi um, has been ruled out for the rest of the Super Rugby 2018. And the Rugby World Championship <sighs> and Bledisloe. Ruptured biceps tendon. Rubbish. Yeah. I'm not Poor, that unhappy. I'm not that unhappy. I think mm. I think it might be a good thing for the Wallabies. Just wait and see. TK's looking strong again. I think this could be actually a bonus mm. for that first game in Sydney. Yeah. Well, Forces a change. It's it's upsetting for Karevi after he's, he did have a recently strong showing in that sort of three-test series and he was looking to make the 13 his home. So upsetting for him, wish him all the best to, to heal up. Yeah, definitely. So strong. Definitely. Did he do it in the final Island game? Was that the story? Yeah, yeah. So is that... He might have been the second game. It might have been the second game because he yeah. had it heavily strapped in the third game. So Yeah, I wonder if that... I wonder if there's any moments you could... Put down. He didn't didn't make a tackle because he wasn't actually physically able. Might have hurt us. It's always a worry when the guys like really want to play and you want to back them, but if they're badly injured and they're sort sort of covering a little bit to make sure that they still make it on the field because they're just so competitive. And then I think if anything, with with if anything, he shouldn't have been coming back for the Reds so soon if he had an issue because the Reds, you know, very very slim chances to make the finals, and mm. I think. There should have been maybe a better communication between the Wallabies and the Reds saying, look, we need him rested because we need him around for the rugby championship. Mm. Obviously, that, that didn't happen. So, you know, now now we kind of have to look to some of the other guys at 13. Yeah. And speaking of Reds and communication, it came out this week as well that um, despite having failed that first sort of drug test, um, James Slipper was given a contract extension with the Reds and then now has subsequently failed another one and been suspended. And Brad Thorne sort of come out and said that he's not looking to bring James Slipper, just like he does not looking to bring Carmichael Hunt back into the squad. Um, doesn't particularly want to give them another chance to 
um, play Super Rugby for Queensland. Well, that's that's a two-year contract, 500k. Mm. So they're going to have to pay him. He signed it. So other either another team in Super Rugby picks up that contract, um, or perhaps an overseas team. But he's going to get that money regardless. So Brad Thorne might have to reconsider his stance a little bit. I think. Well, they, I think they also need to, cool. need to change the sort of info, information, sort of communication between Rugby Australia. And I understand the sort of uh, non-disclosure about failing one test, especially with the media and the public, but whether you, you should be informing the team so they can at least put into practice. For James Liver, obviously, there were apparently mental health issues, whether you should be telling his um, team to potentially put some support around him and give him some extra protection in that. I think no question. I think this is part of the biggest problem with Australian rugby. We don't have clear lines of communication between the central body being Rugby Australia and then the individual clubs. Mm. And that's where a lot of the problems stem from. And this is a clear representation of that. And, you know, the Reds have, they deserve to know and have this sort of information. Not so they can necessarily, you know, suspend him or anything because that goes against the whole drug testing policy. But at least they could reach out to maybe help him. Mm. And prevent you know this this next occurrence from happening. So exactly. it's, a bit, it's pretty unfortunate. Mm. And then there's a few sort of things coming up about players potentially changing teams for next year. Issa Nisarani's actually been linked with the Rebels. Um, this might be off the back of obviously Pete Samu signing with the Brumbies for 2019. Um, but that would be a pretty dominant back row. Uh, makes me think potentially Murphy might be looking to move out of the Rebels. He might have had his tenure there. But I haven't heard anything from that. And then also, Matt Tamu has been spotted back on Australian soil. And there's been a bit of gossip about the fact that he might be looking to come back to Australia in terms of becoming eligible for 2019 for the World Cup. Um, so whether that's signing sort of for the beginning of next year or signing a mid-season deal uh, to come back for some of the international games to get himself back into that squad. Well, funnily enough, when I went for my UK visa and I was in the office there, he walks in to get his sports visa, which I think is still a two-year visa. So that would be coming to an end towards the end of this year. So I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's playing for for Leicester Tigers again for this coming season, whether that's been decided or not. But he would have to get a visa extension to be able to do that. So it's whether he's going to skip going into that system and just come back for a, an early preseason with one of the Super Rugby teams. Yeah, so being linked with the Brumbies and the Rebels. I think the Brumbies could really use a 10, but imagine if he was at the Rebels, like we were saying earlier, like that's then that almost completes completes his set of Wallaby Wallaby backline at, mm. at a team not at a team that's not the Wallet Waratahs, usually purchasing a bit of a Wallaby coloured backline. Yeah, well think of him at ten and then perhaps even think of someone like Nicerani at six in combination with Murphy if he doesn't leave, or even Tamani and then Nasirani together in that back row with Colby Fanger or something. I think the next thing the Rebels need to sort out maybe is their front row because they don't really have a set front row yet. I think Ulysses will come back in it at hooker, but those props are still a little bit questionable. They're rotating a little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, one of, one of them, two of them might step up, but that that's definitely the area they haven't chased up as hard as all these other positions they're overflowing at back row and in the back three it's really that front row that's a bit weak Mm. all right let's get into the games match report round 17 
So Friday afternoon, we had Eden Park, um, Blues versus the Reds, and a great send-off to Jerome Kano, final game for the Blues at home. Um, we saw a really nice showing from both teams, clapping him out, and there was a lot of support coming out for him. But um, I'll tell you what would have been a good send-off, when he dropped the shoulder into Scott Higginbotham. That should have been a bloody good send-off for at least 10 minutes, because that's the standard <laughs> they've set all season. And I know it's the guy's last home game, whatever. What, so he's above the rules? The, so that that was frustrating. You see that and think, well, okay, if that's the that's the precedent. And then we get one one probably fair call on um, Patea. Like that that was by the by the tackle, definitions yeah. a, t- a tip lifting tackle went past the horizontal. So you see that and you go, you know what? Yeah, that's fair enough. Stings a bit that they're not down one already, but all right, we have to cop that. And then Taniella's card. And then it's 13 on 15 and, and the Blues start running away with it. And, and another game is, I feel, um, not not ruined at that point. Marred. But definitely marred, yeah. Definitely marred. And and Egon Seconds is just a very passive referee. He doesn't make calls when he's... Uh, so you've got you know plenty of rucks where there was infringements, guys coming in the side, guys lying on the ball, slowing it down. Barely any calls unless they were coming in from the sideline, in which case they were coming late. And Ben Skeen sticking his nose into things and and saying things like, oh, we've got a grass cutter tackle, shoulder, no arms. Can you have a look? Well, once you've said something like that, what is, what is Egon Second supposed to come back and say, oh, I disagree. It's not a grass cutter tackle. There was arms in t- and intent and it's fine. Like you basically railroaded him into the decision. And I just think that's that's where the TMO is interfering. That's too much. They're interfering, and there's just I think we're being way too liberal again with the yellow cards. Like it's it is marring games like tremendously, and I know that we want to be protecting the players. I know that we want to be actually you know enforcing the rules here, but we do have to look at things, particularly like Taniela Tupo's one. I agree, Lee. I think Patea one Patea's one was perfectly fine, but like yeah, Taniela Tupo. I think look, he he pretty much tackled two guys. He didn't hurt anyone. And it's just being overly pedantic in, in these certain areas that is really not helping the game at all. Mm, yeah, what are you trying to achieve to stop these people? And he's not going at people's ankles. He's going at people's sort of knees and thighs anyway, and his arm's getting bumped out of the way. That's why I can't wrap it. Um, but Exactly, exactly. Not, not worthy of a yellow. Just, just yeah, pedant- and looking, looking for things to throw cards at where yeah, I, I, I just couldn't see any of the justification for that one mm. at all. So whether that just knocked off the Reds early and they struggled to get back, I mean, their set piece continued to be very strong. Their scrum is lovely to watch. Uh, Australian pack actually absolutely run over uh, Kiwi pack. Like that was great to see, but there was not much else, so I was really too excited watching this game. A lot of handling errors, a lot of just structured play that, they just didn't seem to be able to break out and get out wide and get a bit expansive or get around the Blues. And the Blues really started running wild early in first half, three tries to none, um, and they were away. And do we yeah. think Hamish Stewart... Like, So, so we, we were calling for Hamish Stewart to go to 10 and Jono to go to 15. Is that working? Like, I, Maybe it's also having um, Duncan Payow at uh, 12, but... Do we think we're actually getting the right balance, or have we have we put someone who was a good distributor out the back, and Stewart's not quite getting the same amount of 
um, play as, as John O'Lance was achieving at 10. I mean, I think there was probably a little bit of restriction in how good the distribution was, but then also this is sort of, is their first game getting this set up and all coming back together. I think, yeah, it probably didn't work as well as it could have. There are a lot of other just small sort of hammy errors that just stifled a lot of play. Um, but it's something you want to see him persevere. Yeah, you're you're towards the end of the season now. You need to look but ahead. You, you have to, and you know that John Lance is leaving at the end of the season, and you want to yeah. instill a good sort of ten. You want to get a good sort of relationship between the nine ten, whether that's the Rovi, whether that's Tate McDermott. Um, yeah, you want them linking well. Exactly. Stuff. And is I that... think the biggest question is like Lance is yeah Lance is going to be gone, so he's someone good to have in there for the the rest of the season probably, but. There's no point keeping him at 10 because he's not going to be there next year. Whereas Stewart and Paella, I think that's where, that's really where we need to be looking at that combination. I think both of them went way too passive in this game. They really didn't assert themselves on the game at all. And, you know, John O'Lance didn't have a particularly good game either. So I, did, I think across the board, the backs were a little bit lackluster. The forwards were still pretty impressive. But, yeah, they need to work on that back line. And what about Sarobi? With Sir Robbie's well, service, I think, I think he's got good. he's got a lot of potential. I think Tate McDermott has a far better pass, mm. um, and I think Tate McDermott came on and, and really had an impact on the game. Um, and there's there's big raps on on both of these guys actually. Um, and then you got Tuttle to come back into the mix too. So you got three pretty talented number nines there um, that are very young, and it's very early in their careers. So at least two of them are gonna, probably going to they're going to look to keep them around long term. Which two? We're not sure yet, but at least there's three guys there with a lot of potential, and they can they can build around them. I think Stewart though is the guy going forward for now. Yeah. I think he's yeah, shown no. the potential at under twenties. I think he's going to need one or two years at Super Rugby level before he really starts flourishing. Mm. Um, I think all the signs are there that he does have the talent, and he does actually have, you know, a fair bit of power and defense as well, which is going to be really important. Um, we don't want a guy that's at 10 then defending on the wing or something like that, like Quaid used to. Yeah. Stewart can be in the front yeah, line. Yeah, he, he, he stands up in the middle there. It's really good. Exactly. That's, they're really good signs. And I think he, he's got natural flair and talent with the ball. He just needs that confidence and have, have those combinations around him so that he's willing to, you know, chance his arm a little bit. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there so we, we broke it down a bit because I reckon, I reckon you're right. You've got to persevere with Hamish Stewart at 10 now. Duncan Payao is going to be the guy at 12 because you've just lost Karevi. So that's that's what's going to be there. Uh, they're actually putting, I think, uh, Patea into the outside centre spot looking at the team list for this weekend. So another change. And they've got Edo Nabuli back on the wing. Not a big fan of Nabuli. Um, I just don't think he's anywhere near as classy or dynamic as the guys they, they've had there. But obviously they're falling foul of injury, so a mm. bit limited. A uh, guy I think really... Um, the 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 Reds were, sh- were we sorry to miss him was Isaac Rodder in this game, not not playing off the back of the June tests and just that little bit of extra. Imagine imagine how potent the scrum could have been with with Rodder in there too, and then a, a lot of the work around the pitch, um, con- you know, containing the Blues forwards and yeah, just just carrying a big load. That's what Rodder does so well. He's, he's very busy and very physical, and they miss that. I don't like. I'm I'm glad to see Tui. I think played a full game here, didn't he? Yeah, I think he, did. he was he was pretty impressive. I'm still. I don't know what's going on with Higginbotham. He's just uh, he's so inconsistent. I just don't yeah. think that he's, he's Higginbotham. He's, 
Yeah, it's just it's really really disappointing because he has so much potential and he's never gonna. I don't think he's ever gonna live up to that potential, and that's really quite sad because you've got guys like Caleb Timmer coming through, and you can see he came on. He was quite erratic. He was running the ball a lot, but he was making mistakes because he was overly keen. This is a guy that hasn't played since halftime at the second test against Ireland. So he feels probably a bit aggrieved. He was left out of that third test and he's really out to prove himself before these, before the rugby championship. So, you know, it's good. We've, we'll see this week he's actually starting at six, which is really good, I think, that he has a bit more time. They'll give Tui a rest. But, yeah, Higginbotham, as captain, I think he just needs to be better. He needs to keep his head as well. Like, his temperament's off. Even the way he talks to the referee, he, he just emotes too much frustration. Yeah. Um, mm. Particularly when you've got a guy like Egon Seconds refereeing, you can't afford to be like that. You need to be more like David Pocock, where you're calm and you explain yourself, regardless of the situation. Mm. Yeah, and he almost seems a little bit assertive, a little bit overly aggressive when he's talking to him. And it's just going to put the referee offside and then um, hurt you for the rest of the game. But the final score yep. in that game was um, 39-16. to 16. Blues did cop um, two late yellow cards uh, close together, similar to the Reds. So four yellow cards in this game and didn't didn't really help the Reds sort of change momentum in that. Let's go to the better game of Friday night uh, down in Melbourne. Amy Park, Melbourne Rebels versus the Waratahs. And all oh, the Rebels were on top for most of this game, but Waratahs found a way to win. They came back with a late try and they won 26-31. to 31. Waratahs coming out on top. And you said it, Arch, they found a way to win and it wasn't particularly pretty. It wasn't, you know, they just took their chances and two late intercepts from Curly Bill and Bernard Foley, seasoned veterans, you know, professionals that know when to take their chances. Bill could have easily knocked that forward and he could have been sent off. Mm. But he had the skill. He went for it. He took his chance. Um, and, you know, credit to them. They're winning these tight games like we've said before in previous weeks. Um they're looking. They're not quite the team they were in 2014, mm. but I think if on their best day, they they're approaching that in some ways. When they're when their forwards are abrasive, this this team is a lot more mobile in general. But when they still bring that physicality, they've got the fitness just to keep going all day, and we've got a really really talented backline. So, I think you know there are going to be teams out there. Once the Waratahs are going to make the finals, it's whether they. You know, finish on top of the conference or not in the next two weeks, we'll find out. But, you know, there's going to be teams out there, even Kiwi teams, that are going to be pretty cautious when they're playing the Tars because they've got plenty of firepower and they, they can be a little bit unpredictable. So mm. I think it's, you know, it, it was definitely a game where the Rebels were dominant. And if you looked at the stats, you know, if you watched even up to the 65th minute or something like that, um, you would yeah. think, okay, the Rebels should have won that game pretty easily. But the, the Waratahs just hung in there and they, they plugged away and they, they got the pay late in the game. So let's, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that, you know. Let's talk about the Waratahs first. And obviously li- missing um, Israel Folau due to suspension and Michael Hooper due to injury. They had a couple of players really step up. I think we probably do need to mention Will Miller. Uh, played a yes. pretty good game at seven. Was really massive, massive um, heart, massive engine on that guy. Just running around constantly. Got to try it. <clears throat> Got a uh, meat pie for his efforts, which I think he deserved, but really good around the park and really didn't try and overplay, didn't try and be Michael Hooper, played his own game, but played it very, very well. Yeah, busy at the rucks, um, def- definitely making sure the, the Rebels are being honest there and, and yeah, injecting all over the place and, and 
just just really good that that he's getting an opportunity because like there's a lot of guys out there who can bring a lot of different uh, types of game. And we're, over time, when the you get a hooper in a position, you you may may fall foul of trying to select the same type of player, try and re- replace that skill set really directly, and and you might miss out on guys who play a bit differently. I'm not saying Will Miller is a particularly different player. I think he's he's probably quite similar to Michael Hooper. But he, um, but he, he gets a chance to show his wares, and and he actually slots into that back row really well. Um, it's it's quite a quite a good balance, really there that we saw with, and then Jed, you had Jed in it uh, in the second row, didn't we? So Hannigan yeah. and um, Wells, Hannigan, Michael Wells, and Miller, yeah. and then Jed. And yeah, I think yeah. it feels pretty having, balanced. Having Hannigan there, I think even putting Jed into the second row is a bit wary of that kind of selection, but. He seems to be like he's, his fitness is back. He's playing big minutes. Um, he really brings that physicality, and he's playing a lot tighter, mm. which is different to what we've seen, say, the last couple mm. of years. Um, but he's impressive. He's good in the line-out. He, um, he's still a young guy, and I think he has a lot more potential to come. I'd like to still see him back at number eight, um, but I don't know if that's going to happen this year. Might Maybe next year when we're kind of reformatting that forward pack. But... Yeah, Simmons as well. Like I, I have to say, changed my tune a little bit on Simmons. He looks, he looks strong. He looks fit. Yeah. Um, and he's cut a lot of those errors out of his game, and he doesn't seem to be giving away penalties either. So he's running a pretty efficient lineout. Um, and I think his combination with with Jed's probably the way to go for now. Yeah, and their backs. I mean, I still don't think Foley had that good a game here. I think they were still much more relying on Beal. He was really trying to spark everything and really doing everything he could in this game and it was only when he got that chance to take the intercept and run for sort of over 50 metres to completely change the fortunes in that game. Rona also had a reasonably strong game at 13, but not too much else to really say. Camp Clark copped, uh, copped a bit of Sefanai Valu action because he was coming in for an injured yeah. Korobiti. Yeah, that didn't look good, that that knock that he took, but he yeah, stayed on. And I think did he, he went on a bit off a bit later, but mm. um, yeah, look, I think this is a massive, like even thinking about it now, I probably failed to, to actually realize that look missing Falau and Hooper. That's so big, particularly playing down in Melbourne against the rebels team. That's pretty much full strength apart from Genia. Um, I don't Corabini think many... and Coleman also missing from them. So yeah, some big names I guess so. Sides. I guess so. They're... You'd argue who and Flow are probably point. more important, but Genia makes a massive difference. That said, oh, huge, yeah. Ruru, Ruru has continued to impress me, and I think he's got better the more stuff he's like, got. Don't like him. Don't I'm, like him. He's actually the one. He's just. He's the one halfback yeah. in Australia that can actually box kick though. Yeah, no, look, he looks poised at the back of the ruck, but he's a bit sloppy and he tends to make some poor choices. Um, I don't know, he just seems a little bit off to me a lot of the time. Um, but he is physical, he has good box kicks, um, and he's quite aggressive, which Sports is a good tries. thing. Um, yeah, look, I know I can see why people uh, were saying, particularly before the June series, that he should be included in there, but I'm not sold no, yet. I don't um, think... Having said that, watching Joe Powell on the weekend, you know... <laughs> He's pretty poor. So I, I think that that kind of – Jake Gordon still, for me, with, with Genia should be the top two, but that's my opinion. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that he should be in the Wallabies, but – Yeah. So what did the Rebels do to, to drop this game? Like, we know the, the Waratahs seem to 
stay in the fight and, and take opportunities. So is, is it just a couple of loose passes? What are the Rebels going to be talking about this week? Because they've got the Reds. They've got a Reds who are um, a little bit knocked around. They've lost their, their, um, their sort of backs captain. Things are going to be a little bit dynamic for them in, in the back line. What's, what are the Rebels going to be doing this week to make sure they don't suffer a last, last breath defeat? Well, I think the thing I noticed the most in the Rebels game was you got to about that 65th minute and you had up until then really good lines being in attack, them coming up, but then they sort of became a little bit slower. They sort of sat back on their heels. You saw a few times they're just in the midfield and they're sort of just shuffling on passes across and they sort of weren't looking to break the line with such intensity and that was the whole reason they were staying in that game because they were breaking the advantage line. They were causing the Waratahs' defence to tire. But then they sat back a little bit. I think they thought they had the game won. They thought that, yep, we just need to ride this one out, guys. Hold on to the ball. We'll probably get a penalty. We can kick points, just um, waste some time. And I think it's uh, that coming back to that whole playing for the full 80 minutes. The Rebels, the first time they played the Waratahs, they played for the first 40 minutes. This time they played for 60, 65 minutes. Um, but they still haven't quite push themselves that 80 and it's resulted in losses yep. which is big for them i think I, I you're right arch i i think if they can play like they did for 65 minutes if they can push that through to the the final 15 minutes you know i think though they should beat the reds pretty comprehensively but the reds are a team that can be imposing physically they can disrupt you particularly in their defense they their attack is still a little bit lacking um, so I think the the Rebels will have their measure in terms of scoring points. It's just whether the Reds can come out and upset the Rebels, I guess, flow a little bit. Um, the Waratahs weren't able to do that early on in the game. But the Reds, you know, they're, they're actually, they're probably, if anything, looking just to stop the, the Rebels from making the finals. And that will be a focus for them to really come out. They don't have much to lose. They'll just be looking to disrupt, be very aggressive, get in their faces, um, and, and hopefully get a lead early. So for the Rebels, I just think they should stick to their game plan. But like you said, Arch, they, they can't afford to, to take their foot off the gas because at this level, within five, ten minutes, you can lose a game. You can concede 15, yeah. 20 points pretty quickly. Yeah. So, And I think, yeah, look, having Corabiti guys like that come back in, they'll be even stronger. Um, it's a shame they're not playing at home. Um, they're up at Suncorp, aren't they, next week? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. This week, sorry. Um, so that's that's a little bit harder for them, but I think the way the Reds are with their injuries, the Rebels should have enough this week. But, yeah, they they just can't afford to be passive like they did in the Tars game. Yeah, no, I think that's that's good constructive criticism. It is it is maintaining that intensity for the full 80. Good good teams at the top of the conferences are doing that. Generally speaking, and 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 the rebels aren't far off, but they are probably fifteen minutes out of eighty off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. it'll also be a big sort of push for them to hold the reds up forward and um, up front. Sorry, and if if they can hold the reds' momentum in the forward pack, their backs should run all over this reds' back line. Yeah, you saw. Yeah, Hodge. Not sure still if he's suited to that ten roll, but he's sort of managing, distributing reasonably well. Billy Meeks was really good in defense, came coming up and absolutely stifling that Waratahs backline play early, and that really sort of put the Waratahs on the back foot early. Tom English is a really sound defender and really sort of consistent with his ball running and will get you the ball back. And then you have electric sort of play out wide with Maddox and Corabidi back, as you said, 
and DHP at back is sort of your general marshalling his troops, getting everyone around the field really well. Yeah, it's a really good team. The Rebels in particular, I mean, if they had Genia, it would be, you know, I think it would be game set and match in this one, but they're still, you know, lacking a bit of direction in their playmaking stocks. Um, so hopefully Hodge can, can get them moving forward. And Saturday afternoon, coming out of Suva in Fiji, a Highlanders home game versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs have had lots of home games in the last couple of years in Fiji. Um, so there was plenty of support for both sides. Very windy out there. And a little bit more of a game of two halves again on this one. Um, but the Chiefs just started electric. How many tries did they score in the first half? One, two, three, four, five, six, six tries in the first half to the Chiefs. And the Highlanders held 2-0. They came out and yeah. tried to make a bit of a comeback, but couldn't do it. Chiefs winning this one, 45-22. to 22. And that's a massive, massive one-way traffic uh, from the Chiefs. Like, for them to, for them to pull together six tries, and, and if you, if you, even if you just watch the highlights reel, you see, like, these are pretty well-constructed tries. The defense, generally speaking, wasn't soft. Didn't, you know, didn't make a whole lot of bad decisions. There's maybe the odd, odd player that came up too, too early and, Someone darted in behind, or but the Chiefs are running good lines. They're they're driving hard once they've made contact. They're pushing for that extra meter, moving forward, crossing the gain line, and, and getting that quick return of ball, mm. and just just piecing it all together. And McKenzie's looking more and more comfortable in that ten. Still the odd spraying pass that that doesn't quite meet its target, but they're 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 becoming fewer in number, which is which is good if they're. Uh, New Zealand rugby union trying to develop him as a real backup ten, and he is he is starting to fall into line with being a little bit more accurate, a little bit fr- less frenetic, and, and just trying to hit his mark and and save his really sort of explosive attack for when it's yeah. really on. I think it helps having Charlie Natai in at twelve as well. He's sort of a bit more of a cool head um, to have just outside McKenzie as well. Biggest sort of look in terms of playoff picture. This was Highlanders were sitting in fifth position, Chiefs in sixth um, overall, and that's just flipped them around now. Uh, and with the Hurricanes result on the weekend, the Chiefs actually have an opportunity looking forward to see if they can actually jump ahead and maybe take that fourth position. But it'll be difficult for them. They've got a um, final final regular season round versus the Hurricanes, not this week coming, but the week after. Chiefs coming um, up against the Brumbies. Chiefs playing at home this weekend, which you would think in the form they're in, they would fancy themselves for that. If they can win, and if the Hurricanes can get over the Blues, also a home game for the Hurricanes, then really the Highlanders might be locked out of that of that third spot in the in the ladder, which pretty much forces them into sixth on the overall ladder, which is a game against the Waratahs. And that's the team that we've. That's the New Zealand team we beat in Sydney. So it's actually actually might size up pretty well for the Waratahs. The Hurricane, the Highlanders will be um, approaching that game with a fair bit of revenge in mind. But mm. uh, yeah, it's like the the Chiefs again. They've, they've got they've got guys who have sort of popped up throughout the season. Like Alan Marlow was really hot earlier in the season, yeah. and then kind of didn't see so much of him. And then this game, he came red hot again. Uh, and and still they've got. You know some forwards who who are just quietly plugging away but having a good impact. Uh, Tyler Ardron, the yeah. Canadian yeah. international, like that guy is another big big engine in that forward pack and and having a big impact and and they all they all really lifted something about that Fiji atmosphere must have must have got the 
got the guys rolled up because they they absolutely smashed the Highlanders and and a team of the Highlanders uh, quality in Ben Smith and Aaron Smith and yeah oh, Sopoanga yeah, and yeah and you've got that centre pair so you've many. got yeah you've got these these All Blacks coming Thompson, in like Luke Whitelock and Hemapo and um, Frizzell coming off the bench and things so maybe maybe they're a bit tired from All Blacks duties or I, I don't quite know what what. Uh, they, they didn't look like they played that badly. The Chiefs were just all over them. So, yeah. in in some sense, for them, it's it's good signs that they're not. Well, it's bad signs that they got absolutely flogged. But it's it's not uh, <laughs> sort of something like it's rare something a in, yeah. a, a deep issue, deep structural issue. They need to rectify. They just mm. they just need to fine tune and, and maybe uh, maybe do a bit better better homework on the Chiefs. Yeah. Well, the Highlanders are taking on the Crusaders this week, so. Doesn't get easier for them, but you'll see if they can put their structure a bit back together. Let's get back onto one of the other Australian teams. The last one, the Brumbies in GIO Stadium down in Canberra, taking on the Hurricanes in what we all thought was probably going to be a little bit of a drubbing by the Hurricanes and a little bit of a sad, sorry side in Canberra. But the Brumbies got a hand it to them. They came out early, they came out strong, and they kept it up all game, coming out winners 24-12. Yeah, great to see the Brumbies winning at home and, and interesting to see how the Hurricanes uh, struggled to unlock all the potential in their back line with a different fly half. They're just they're just not the same team without Bone Barrett. He's obviously a, a key player, but the the reserve they have in that position, whether it's Ohio West, who I actually think is probably the better option than Garden Bashup, um, ne- neither of them do anything remotely as good as Bowden Barrett. Like he he gets the best out of all of those players and I don't think Garden Bashup got anything out of any of them in this game. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think like like you said, kind of I mean La Marpi didn't see him, you know, saw Geordie Barrett, you know, Julian Severe did some good things, but then most of their backline went missing because there was no direction that stems from that change at fly half. Even when Ehi West came on they were still pretty lackluster. Mm. Um, I think in this game, they just didn't have the possession. They lacked territory. Their, their tactical kicking wasn't great. And they also, you know, gave away far too many penalties. So the Brumbies, you know. Brumbies. It's funny because they, they really have turned it around in the last, say, oh, four or five rounds. Yeah. Three um, wins in a row. You know, they, yeah. It's it's really, you know, it's, it's kind of disappointing because – you know, this is a team that hasn't missed the final since 2012. Um, it looks like it's going to happen this time, this this year. But you can see there is a lot of potential there. It's just in a few key positions, they're lacking a little bit and they get exposed in, in some of the bigger games. And I think earlier on the season when they were trying to make quite a lot of adjustments um, and play more of a free-flowing type of style, that just really wasn't working for them. They went away from what was working last year. Yeah, you're right. And it's interesting if you if you put a few of those things together, what do you get? You get when they're trying to play their new style in a game that's meaningful and they're under pressure, they can't keep that together. And yeah, they, they crumble. Tended, they crumble. And at the start of the season, we saw them resort back to what we would call the traditional Brumbies forward base game. Then later in the season when, you know, whether the players think it or not, or they might not be mathematically eliminated, but... They're looking, they're looking pretty far, uh, pretty long shot. It's pretty far fetched, yeah. Yeah, pretty far fetched of making finals. There's less pressure. Don't know what the coaching is saying, but presumably they're still trying to implement this new style. 
But with that less pressure and less expectation, they're pulling off wins over in South Africa and and you know home wins against albeit a, a dysfunctional uh, Hurricanes. But it's it's just interesting that they're obviously not ready to execute that new plan under really stiff pressure, and and maybe they're not willing to carry the the burden of of conference leaders and still play that style. It's, it's just settling into that. I kind of have a problem with people. I'm just going to have a bit of a rant for a sec about people talking about this go, go. new new style they're sort of implementing. And I hate the fact that there's this fact that, yeah, the Brumbies are a keep-it-narrow, keep-it-tight team and they can't throw it wide and now we have to change that whole style. No, you don't have to change that style. You don't have to do something completely different to what you're doing. You can keep it tight. You can keep it in the forwards. You can maul it when you want. And then when you get the chance, you can just take that opportunities and throw it wide. It doesn't have to be an all, we're crazy expansive team or we're all really narrow and forward-based team. Like, I think that was a little bit of the problem at the start of the year. Like, no, 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 we're not doing any of this forward-based stuff. We're not really doing mauls or anything. And you've seen since they've brought back, like, a bit of a maul game, they haven't been afraid to keep it tight. They're actually opening up a little bit of space, which is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to keep it tight, draw yep. defenders, and then open space and go around. But I think they did that very well. It's called well balance. Hundred yeah, percent. It's called a balance. There wasn't. Game. There's. There's nothing yeah. wrong with what Larkham implemented over his tenure, um, and to come in and, and say, like you said, Arch, just to just to get rid of that structure and, and really just be a bit erratic and throw it around and, and say, okay, we can attack from anywhere. That's all well and good when you've got the players. The Brumbies are in a, a team somewhat in transition in a lot of positions, um, key positions. Um, so you can't expect a bunch of guys that are still learning to be you know, expected to play at almost the highest of high levels, throw the ball around, make no mistakes, and win games that way. Their, their strength a lot of the time is in their forwards. They've got quite a few experienced guys in their forwards. And once they set that that strong platform, guys like Leo Lufano start moving forward. Yeah. Guys like Godwin start running straight. Yeah. Kurandrani comes into his own. And then you uh-huh. get some space for guys like Muirhead and Spade. So, and even Tom Banks, like he's going to be a superstar, but... It's going to take time, and you just can't expect this all to happen overnight. I think that there's still, you know, that's a little bit to do with the maturity of the coaching as well. I don't think that was there from the start of the season. If they persevere with him um, into next year, I think we'll probably see a more consistent Brumbies outfit, more like they're playing at the moment. I think you two need to go have a beer with Dan Keller and set him straight. But I, agree. I think he's realised. I think he's realised that he has made a few errors earlier on, early on in the season in terms of his coaching techniques, his strategy. Mm. Um, and he's come back to the mean a little bit in his understanding now that you can't – you've got guys like Scott Seo, you know, Falafang is playing really well, and he has a real strength of keeping it tight. Guys like Rory Arnold, same. Mm-hmm. Pocock, you know, he's not an expansive type of player. Nicerani is. Cusack is They've in lost. some ways. They've lost some They've of lost. their expansive players to injury and poor yeah. form, actually. Exactly. And Valentini was a guy who could have Valentini. opened things up a bit. You haven't had him all yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Aware have may to... have come together more expansive and he hasn't been performing consistently, so you haven't been able to keep him. You had to keep Lili Fano, who's a bit more conservative and traditional in the back line. I think that, look, they're striking a really good balance at the moment and hopefully they just continue along that path for the next couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um they got balance, two, balance is the word. Tough games, two tough games coming up. 
Yeah. But look, they've, they've pretty much got nothing to lose now um, with very, very slim chances of making the final. So I, I think they should persevere with that. They got some really good young talent coming through. If they can shore up, you know, 10, 12 positions mm-hmm. um, and then maybe maybe something like, you know, blindside flanker. I think Rob Valentini will slot back in there. Um, it's a shame if they lose Nicerani. But overall, the Brumbies, look, I think there's plenty to be positive about, particularly when they play like this. Um, but we want rugby in Canberra to be strong. We want that to be a bit of a fortress down there because there's, there's a lot of people down there that love rugby, but they're not going to turn up if it's a mm. Brumbies team that keeps losing. So it's similar to the Waratahs. When they're playing well, when they're winning, mm. the crowds just you know flood in. Sure. And when they're not, they disappear. So we need all these super rugby franchises to be playing attractive rugby, but they can't just be throwing out the structure completely out the window and saying, oh, look, we just need to be entertaining and nothing else because that doesn't work. Mm. You know, It doesn't work. You need to have a balance, and I think they've realised that now. Yeah, and it definitely um, paid off for those fans that braved the Canberra cold. I think it was sort of four degrees, felt like one or zero out there, um, but they, they got a really good game to watch. And just a quick welcome back to the train, TK. He's pumping it up, and he had a massive game. He must have been a little bit... I think disappointed not to get any time in those June tests, but he looks like he's coming out with a mission now. Um, probably made a little bit easier now with Karevi injured, but wants to make take back that 13 jersey for the well, the rugby championship. Let's keep moving, and the final game on Saturday, late Saturday night, out of Singapore Stadium, and the Sunwolves. They played hard, they played strong. And with a little help from Hayden Parker, they beat the Bulls, 42-37. to And that brings up um, the Sunwolves' third win of the season. you got to think that this is being looked at as a pretty successful season now. Yeah, really good. And and definitely that New Zealand style being implemented, uh, a lot of confident, uh, confidence in the team, playing a full game. And, you know, that they still make really poor, disappointing errors to let teams back into it. But... Uh, no rugby team that's dressed like the Brazilian soccer team is ever going to have favour and and come through with a win. Those bulls in their ridiculous bring, outfit. Bring back the pink. Oh, bring back the stade français. Bring, bring back it's the never, camo. It's never been a good luck. It's never been good luck for them to wear that jersey. Uh, and they, they got a little bit of luck and the Sunwolves gave them opportunities. But they, um, yeah, the Sunwolves is too good. It was another good one to see. And I should have tipped them from the start of the year when I knew better. I think it's 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 interesting because the Sunwolves, you know, they've won three out of 14 games. That's pretty disappointing overall if you looked at it from a normal team's perspective. But this is a, an expansion team that's still finding its feet. And I think they've come a long way under these coaches, Tony Brown and Jamie Joseph. Um, albeit they've brought in a, quite a few Highlanders guys there, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We want the Sunwolves to continually improve. Um, win more and more games and really build that that following throughout Asia, whether it be in Tokyo, Hong Kong, Singapore. Because um, I think overall, into the future, we could see another team come come out of Asia, so possibly Hong Kong or something like that. So it's it's important that they do well and they have exposure and that people want to turn up and watch them. So for that, I can say that, look, they're scoring points and they're, they're playing some attractive rugby. It's a good thing. But, you know, there are quite a few things they can improve on, particularly in defence and discipline, things like that. Um, but I think next year, you know, signs are looking bright. I think if they're improving like this, more players will be attracted to going there. Mm. Um, 
you know, experiencing a new culture and also playing for a team that's on the up. So I think it's it's a really positive thing, and I think it's been good to have them in the Australian Conference. We've seen a lot more of them, um, and playing in a, a similar time zone as us, it's, I think it's been great. But in terms of yeah, look, this is surprising. They won this game. We all tipped the Bulls again. They they kind of came out and and surprised us. And I think it all kind of starts with Hayden Parker, like you guys have said. Um, he really is pulling all the strings there. When he's on song, the whole team just gets behind him. So. I think the Bulls would be very disappointed, but now they're heading back to South Africa to really fight for their fortunes to get to the finals. Yeah, and it's, it's a tough road for them. They're probably same outside chance as the Brumbies. What they can really do probably is um, spoil some hopes for some fellow South African teams uh, coming up, or whether that's the Sharks or the Haguars fighting it out for that last sort of playoff spot in that, that conference as well. But yeah, you're right. Michael um, Little as well as Hayden Parker have just been sort of absolute maestros in that team. And it's great that the team that's coming last in the competition is a team that I look forward to turning on the game and watching these guys run around. Um, that's what you want from the whole competition. It's You want every single game being something that people want to tune into. A thought just came into my mind of whether Marfi is, is heading back to Japan to play for the Sunwolves. Maybe that's an option for him because he, he's very passionate about Japan. I just think, you know, with the team improving, he probably sees that as a, a pretty old, ideal destination to play. He could even play Sunwolves, Top League, and then play for Japan. So yeah, there'd be a Jamie Joseph's had a word so, in his ear. Yeah. Exactly. And he's been one of, like, again, Marfi this year has been one of the form players of Super Rugby. So Sunwolves getting more players like that, potentially, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, very, it's very good to see. Mm. Last couple of games, and I don't want to dwell too long on these, but... They do have some implications in terms of playoffs. So the Sharks took on the Lions down in Durban. And in a game we thought the Lions might take, I think, um, after the team list came out with Warren Whiteley back and Malcolm Marks back in this team, we thought this was going to be, um, they were going to run all over their opposition. But couldn't quite do it. The Sharks coming out victors, 31-24. Yeah, and I think the thing is with this Sharks team, they, they have equally as much talent as the Lions. And when they put it together, they're a really you know strong outfit. So... We, I mean, I think what Leo did, we both tipped the Sharks in on the pod, but you, you change, we both actually changed our tips going yeah. into this game. So the Sharks, it's, yeah, you like the Sharks, they're just that more raw version that didn't, didn't think with those senior guys back to the Lions um, would necessarily be as competitive, but maybe they're shedding that um, inexperience and, and physicality. So that just the raw energy and actually. Um, becoming a bit more composed. So long-term, yeah. that's good. More competition in the South African Conference. Make sure there's not just a runaway leader. I think it actually stems from a lot of these guys in the Sharks getting some some decent time for the Springboks. I think that's really helped them. I think that's built their confidence hmm. um, in a very competitive series against England. Um, and I think guys like um, Esterheisen, Dupree, even though he was, he was backing up, or I think he was just amongst the squad maybe, but... You know, the Dupree brothers in general have been around that Springboks team for a year or two now. Um, I think it's really helping them at at the at this level for the Sharks. So, look, Lions need to, to keep on rolling. They need to improve because the finals are coming very quickly. And they're, at, you know, they're being threatened at the top of the South African Conference now. Yeah, that's right. Um, and that's by the mainly by the team we're going to talk about next, the Sex Panthers. Um, still... 
on form despite the Puma sort of worries. They're sort of won seven in a row, but they're fast closing up and um, catching up to the Lions. They are played one less game and only three points behind. They've actually got one more win than the Lions. The Lions are, are roaring on bonus points. There's seven extra bonus points, <laughs> but the Hags have nine wins and they're only three points behind, as you said. And, and they were great in this game against the Stormers. And actually, the Stormers were, for an away Stormers, were pretty good too. Like, this was actually a really, really good game, which, you know, you could you could probably expect it to maybe be a little bit uh, of the jet, of the Haguaras spraying the ball around, the Stormers struggling away from home. No, this was really fluid, really good attack from both teams. But the Haguaras just had uh, that little bit more class and, and the ball through Sanchez just... Amazing distribution at the moment. He's hitting all the right players. They're running great lines. Forwards are lifting. Petty was insane. He was huge in this game. So, yeah, really, really, really enjoyable game. Uh, I'll keep, again, keep watching the Haguaras. They're, they're a great team to watch. And it's it's strange, isn't it? Because we saw how much the, the you know, Argentinian national team struggled. They lost all three games after the Haguaras had won six in a row. And I thought, oh, this could actually... You know, negatively affect the Jaguars coming in this game. The Stormers were due for an away win, um, but look, they keep it rolling seven in a row. That's massive, and you never know they could they could take these next two games and, and take that conference. It's um it's a massive step for that franchise. That's right, and if you if they get up to the top, that means they get a home final, and a home final in South America. We've seen how dominant they are. Any team in this competition is going to struggle to go in there versus a firing Sex Panthers team and actually take a win out of that. So that's, that is massive if they manage to get to the top of that conference. Seriously, 60% of the time, they're winning every time. Mm-hmm. More than that now, man. More than that. They win 100% of they're the time. They're winning 110% of the exactly. time. Um, Probably part of the reason you saw like the Pumas struggle, they've now got rid of their um, coach. Uh, that was the last sort of international game, and they are going to give Ledesma a chance sort of 14 months ahead of the um, World Cup to see if he can it's bring what he's brought to the Sex Panthers to make a bit of a Sex Pumas team. Similar model huge. to the Japanese then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it, I think I'm not sure of the exact rules, Arch. You brought this up before that... Is it that you have to play for the Jaguars to actually be eligible now for the for the Argentinian team? You have team? to play in Argentina, know, but... which pretty much means you have to okay. Okay. play for so the So it's either club level or Jaguars. Yeah. So it's, I'm not sure about that. I mean, I can understand they want to build combinations and keep people playing locally. But does that, you know, I feel like that's really going to shrink your talent pool a little bit with, with guys playing in France because I still think people are going to go and take the money in France if they can. Mm. Um, so it could actually maybe damage the national team a little bit overall um, until maybe, you know, a few years down the track. But I think Ledesma is the right guy for the job and it's it's good to see him come. Checker brought him in through the Waratahs and into the Wallabies and now he's, you know, gone to the next level with, in Argentina. So it's fantastic to see that. Mm-hmm. And that how that ends us up in terms of the table, Super Rugby table, we have the Waratahs still in that third position, bringing out the win against the Rebels, so on 39 points. The Rebels are in 8th position at the moment on 35 points. Haguara is just in front on 38 points and the Sharks we've been talking about on 32 points. Okay, so very close between those three. Um, Look, it might actually come down a little bit as well with the Highlanders falling down to 40 points. If the Rebels get a win this week, 
they are playing the Highlanders in the final round as well. So it's going to be really interesting this sort of next couple of weeks and see what sort of works out. Round 18. All right, Friday afternoon, and we have the Crusaders coming off their bye week and versing the Highlanders, who had that disappointing showing last week. Um, out of Canterbury, what do you reckon? Crusaders welcoming back some big names. They've got Kieran Reid coming back into the mix. Yeah, it's look, the Crusaders, looking at this team list, um, the only question mark I have is probably Cody Taylor being left out and rested on the bench. Apart from that, it's a, a very, very strong team. Um, their back line looks amazing. Um, it's interesting as well. Pete Samu seems to be completely out of the squad now. Yeah. Um, so Scotty, that's Scotty that's very interesting. Like a little bit of not happy. Changing not over. happy. <laughs> Having said that, though, I mean Bedwell Curtis has been good. Jordan Defoe is on the bench, so you can see why that that whole number six position is is pretty hotly contested at the moment. I think the Crusaders will continue to roll here. Highlanders have stumbled a little bit, and the pressure is going to be on them. Um, be a different proposition, I think, at Forsyth Bar. I think it would be a lot closer. I still think this is going to be a very competitive game, but hard to go past the Crusaders. Yeah, I'm expecting a, a, an exciting game because the Highlanders will be playing for everything. They want to move up the table as far as they can, and they're, they're a long shot to get into fourth place, but um, they, they've got to throw everything at the Crusaders. Crusaders know they're comfortable. They're, they're well out in front now, and they're, they're not likely to be run down, but... I think they'll uh, they'll hold them off. I'll go Crusaders. Yeah, I think you're right. Crusaders, especially, they'll be celebrating White Crockett's 200th um, Super Rugby game. Stadium being renamed White Crockett Stadium for the night. So there'll be a lot of passion behind that. I think you'll see a similar sort of um, energy coming out the same way the Blues were coming out playing for Kano this last week. You know where you're going to see some energy? The Barracuda, Richard Bachman. He's playing starting on, on the, the wing, wing for the Highlanders. <laughs> he's back, man. The he's ugliest back. man in Super Rugby is back. It's amazing. And he's grown his hair longer. <laughs> so pay well. attention. Ooh, Has he? Cooler. Yeah. He's a weird he's, dude, he's, but I love him. I love him. He's definitely a Targo through and through, that gentleman. Um, coming out of Brisbane, Suncorp Stadium, and we were highlighting this before, the Reds looking to spoil the Rebels party this week. Um, Rebels needing a win here to keep their finals hopes alive. Yeah, we preambled this a fair bit, actually thinking about last week's game, but I, I think we were right. I think the the Rebels, if they can match up to the Reds' forward pack, the the back line should be allowed to sing out the back, and, and they've definitely got the wood on the Reds in the back line. Uh, I, it's, I, can see, I can see a way of the Reds winning this, but I, I think I see much more potential for the Rebels to, to roll them probably in a sort of a 10-point margin for mine, so I'm going Rebels. Yeah, personally, I'd favour the Reds and the Fords and and by far the Rebels in the backs. I think just from some of the changes in that Reds back line, they mixed things up a little bit due to injury, and I don't think that they're going to be able to score enough points to, to get over a Rebels outfit that can easily score up to 40 points in a game. Um, so I think with, with the kind of things that are on the line as well, I think the Rebels will get it together and, and Vessels will... We'll get them moving into the finals. Yeah, boys. Yeah, the Rebels. I've got to say, from that last <laughs> game, I actually think that the Rebels can play a game that can rival a lot of these other teams in the competition come playoff time. They looked like they were going to be able to play a better game to take home victories in the playoffs than the Waratahs were. I want to see that again this week. I want to see a really 
classy, mature performance up front. You know where the Reds are strong. You shut them down up front. You hold on to the ball. You get some momentum. And then you look to finish with your speed men out wide. You get Corabidi bursting through some poor tackles, probably from Dalgunu or, or um, um, Nabuli, because we, we know they're not quite uh, the best defenders that the wing stocks in Australia have, um, probably up there with sort of the Henry Spate levels. But yeah, I'm taking Rebels. I think they're going to put it together this week. I think they're going to take home a win. Get it by 15, even up to 20. I really want to see it. Next, we'll go to the Saturday afternoon game and the Brumbies coming off that big win are travelling over to Waikato. And this is an earlier game, 3.15, and taking on the Chiefs, who, of course, are returning from Suva in Fiji, probably on a bit of a high. And we've, we're talking about this before. Chiefs have a chance to try and get over the Hurricanes and take over that uh, second spot in the conference, number four overall, which would mean a home semi-final. So they'll be fired up. Yeah, two teams that are in pretty strong form going on last week. Um, the Chiefs just have so many points in them. And the interesting thing with the Brumbies are that they're, they're one of the best defensive teams in the composi- competition. But I think mid-afternoon football is going to be you know, really conducive. As long as the weather plays along, I think it's going to be really conducive to some expansive, fast rugby. Um, and I think that's really going to be built quite well for the for the Chiefs. They've got a lot of talent across the park, and I think at home they'll they'll probably get this one by ten. Yeah, I have to agree. I can't really see a way the Brumbies win this. I I think they can probably keep it close, but I think you're going to see um, that classic sort of New Zealand narrative play out where they keep it close for the first half, maybe even halfway through the second half. But the Chiefs sort of finishing strength um, in the end of games is probably just going to be able to do a number on these Brumbies boys. Yeah, it looks strange things have happened, but uh, the Chiefs with a home game this week and one to finish against the Hurricanes will be settling in nicely uh, down in New Zealand. And if they can, uh, yeah, as you said, jump the, the Hurricanes, they'll be having another home game after that. The Brumbies, look, I think in the first half, First 30 minutes, probably a fair contest between the two sides. If the Brumbies can lift, but that, that last 10 minutes will be for the Chiefs and there'll be a couple of tries mm-hmm. and, and then maybe in the last 20 of the game as well. Not not because of fitness so much, just the pressure that the New Zealand teams can heap on you and, and you are travelling across for what, again, the, the, yeah, the Brumbies are kind of in the running, but it's still probably going to feel a bit like a dead rubber. I think the Chiefs are coming off a high and, and they'll do the Brumbies. Mm-hmm. Next game, we have the two, um, the Hurricanes coming back to New Zealand um, and the Blues travelling up to Wellington to face them. Blues obviously coming off a good win uh, last week. And the Hurricanes, they've dropped three in a row. They really need to get back to their winning ways. And you'd imagine Bowden should be back for this game. Um, they really need him. They really need the structure. I think the Blues probably were riding high off that um, final game for Jerome Kano in Auckland. I don't think we're going to see them put together quite as a uh, prestigious, polished performance. And the Hurricane, surely that was a wake-up call. I think they'll have to come out and really play strong in this and get back a, another win to get them back um, stable in those final picture. Yeah, you got Hurricanes in fourth, playing Blues in 13th. Blues have only had four wins this season. Same as the Reds, one more than the Sunwolves. They've had a lot of close ones, but uh, look, they, they still don't know how to put Rico Yuani out on the wing. I know they're, they're struggling for options, but they, they're 
they're not going to be able to run down the Hurricanes if the if they have Bowden back. Uh, and I would question if even without Bowden whether the Hurricanes can can drop another game uh, being complacent. They'll they'll be finding another way to to get the ball out to all those backs and and the forwards will lift. It's it's Hurricanes for me. Yeah, I think the Blues are going to come crashing back to earth with this one. You know, it was their first home win of the year, um, but going down to Wellington is a very different proposition. I think regardless of, of Bowden being there, the, the Hurricanes will come through. I'd like to see, I mean, it's, it's a shame Brad Shields had to leave. You've had Artie Severe out as well. Um, but I think if he's in there um, and you get Bowden back, I think they can win it by at least 20. I think it's going to be a bit of a one-sided game because the Hurricanes will be really, really determined to, to get back um, to that form that they were showing earlier in the season. Next out of Sydney, Tars versus Sunwolves. Uh, one of the last two home games the Tars have this season, obviously Sunwolves this week and Brumbies next week. So they'll be looking to get a strong showing and good support coming into uh, what should be a home um, playoff series as well. But what do we think, Waratah Sunwolves? Sunwolves have been giant killers. They've been upsetting everyone. Can they pull something out in Sydney? I think if the Waratahs don't start in the right way in this game, there is a threat that the Sunwolves could pull something off. But, you know, it's... I don't know. I think the Waratahs got away with one last week against the Rebels. Late, obviously, we know that. I think they'll come out really, really fired up. I think that they'll they'll fix some of the things they were doing wrong last week. They won't take the Sunwolves for granted. No one can do that anymore. Um, playing at Allianz is a, is a big factor. Um, and look, I think it'll be a very, very high-scoring game. I think you'll see someone like Tankelly Nairavaro get at least a couple of tries. You've got Falau coming back. He's going to be really, really, you know, he's going to be out to show that he can still contest the high ball and, and not have any problems with that. I think that the, the odds are going to be fired up as well. So, look, it's going to be a good game. I, I encourage everyone to get down there and support what can, you know, a Sunwolves team as well that's really interesting to watch. Um, so definitely a game to get around, but I think the Tars definitely in this one should get the win. Yeah, it shapes up to be an exciting one. The, the Sunwolves are always good for some expansive rugby. It doesn't always come off, but we like to see them have a crack, and when it does, it's, it's really entertaining. Waratahs obviously should have the personnel, the skills, the fitness, and the home ground advantage to, to roll them. Uh, I'm not going to suggest the margin. I think it's probably... I don't think anything I said would uh, never be able to pick it because this game can go in so many different ways, but I think the Waratahs get the win at the end regardless. You know what this game sort of reminds me a little bit of? And I think it's sort of a little bit telling... It will give us a good idea of what the Waratahs sort of mindset is going into playoffs. reminds me of um, when teams like the Cheaters, when they were still in this competition, used to come to Sydney and everyone would be like, yep, Waratahs got this, going to absolutely run right. And the... The cheaters will come out, start fast, and they Waratahs will suddenly get knocked on the back foot. And it's one of those games that if you do um, underestimate these teams, they will come and they will shock you. So Yeah, it's definitely a trap game. Exactly. I'm not predicting a loss from the Tars. I think they are in the right mindset, and I want them to continue with that. I want them to put a really solid performance. I don't want them to leak points to this team. Sunwolves can put on points. Um, but I want the Tars to really work at shutting that down. I think they should concentrate on their defense because you know their attack will come. You know the tries will come if they just hold on to the ball. Uh, I'd really love them to 
to, you know, shut down, keep the Sunwolves to under sort of 15 points in this game. Well said, Arch. Mm. Well said. Um, final games then, the Bulls travel back to Pretoria and they take on the Haguaris, the Sex Panthers, that have finally left South America, finally need to have an away game. And this will be a bit of a test for them and the Bulls will be out to spoil the party for the Haguaris. Yeah, they will. And I think the Bulls mathematically are still in contention here if they get maybe two bonus point wins in their next two games. It's a, it's a, you know, it's pretty far-fetched that they'll make the finals. But the Haguaras have so much to play for here. They want to keep that streak going. Um, you got the Bulls coming back from Singapore, which I think plays a part in this. I mean, it is at altitude, so it's going to be a little bit testing for the Haguaras late in the game. Um, but both teams are traveling, so they're on equal footing there. Um, I, I think, to be honest, the, the Haguaras have the form and they have, I think, the determination in this one to to really come out and put it to the Bulls. Um, I'm predicting a really, really tight game in this one. Um, but I'm going to tip the Haguaros by a few points. I, you know, I'm not confident whether it's going to be three, whether it's going to be five. I don't think it's going to be much more than that. So, um, look, it's going to be maybe a bit of a, a kicking affair in some ways, but Haguaros, hopefully they can get it done. Yeah, tough, tough one to pick this week. A lot of reasons for both teams to have a have a big game, but also to be a bit uh, weary from travel and and uh, the the Sex Panthers. You know, the, the seven in a row they did do four away games in a row already this season. Have they have they consumed all the fuel for away games? I'm not sure. They, I, th- I think the Bulls can probably lift for this one. The Haguaras will want it badly. Um, I, the Bulls. I think the Rebels have to get zero points and go backwards in points difference for the Bulls to get in. So they'll probably be playing for pride at home, but South Africans are very proud. They'll they'll be putting it up to the Haguaras. I think I'm I think I might tip the Bulls for this one. Yeah, I'm sort of leaning similar way um as well. I think it's it's probably going to be a kicking affair, like you're saying, Toby. And look if Andre Pollard can come out and control this game he may be able to stifle um, the Haguaras attack and really put them on the on the heels a little bit. Um, it's weird that two of us are sort of leaning towards the Bulls when we're t- talking about a team that's had seven wins in a row and is looking to make the playoffs. Um, I think it's going to be very close. I think the it's almost too close to call at this point. The Haguaris really need to show here if they're have what it takes to play finals football this is their first sort of test for a little while well i think here the margin is one point from the bookies and the the bulls are slight favorites on that so look i think we're thinking around the right lines here Mm -hmm. it's not like you know the the people are predicting anything different so it's important for both teams probably more important for the haguaros but yeah Plenty to play for. Definitely. For four, four away games that we didn't trust the Hags already this season and we all got burnt. So at least Toby's learned his lessons. He's, he's going to have a crack at the Hags away. Archie <laughs> and I might be, might be tempting Bulls. Or maybe a draw. Who knows? Mm. <laughs> and final game of the round. And again, all these games have final sort of implications. And the Storm is returning home to Cape Town where, look, they've had most of their success this season, obviously not winning away. But they're taking on the Sharks that have just taken down the Lions and looking to push into that top eight to make their playoff bet. So lots to play for for the Sharks. Can the Stormers, you know, upset their party? Gut feel on this one 
is um, Jean-Luc Dupree and Duplice, uh, who's playing quite half the Storms at the moment. Duplice. These guys will have a massive punch-up because they're both absolute psychos. If you saw Duplice last weekend, he was off his head. He was going nuts at the ref. Oh, oh, no. I'm thinking more about the, the one-on-one boxing matchups that might come from this because these two teams are going to want, again, pride at the end of the season, guys looking for spring box berths from both sides. Um, Stormers, Stormers played really well against the Hags or in a away game last week. Like the, Duplicy was more expansive, more aggressive uh, in a lot of ways. Can can they do enough against the Sharks? I don't think so. I think I think the Sharks are going to be yeah trying to get into that finals uh, finals uh, run, and they need to do everything possible to climb the table. They'll be just going absolutely mad, and and I don't think the Stormers will will be able to defend them if they if they really chance their arm at every opportunity. Yeah, we know we know how hard the Stormers are to beat at home, um, but having said that. The Sharks have showed some really good form of late. Um, we we'll go back to the bookies. The bookies are, are taking the Stormers in this one. Again, is a, in a very close game. But they're they're really treating that home field advantage with some respect. Um, I'm with you, Lee. I think Jean-Luc Dupree is an absolute... I don't know. There's something wrong with him, I think. He's, he's the guy <laughs> that's gone wrong. Daniel Dupree looks pretty normal. He's just kind of chilled, even though he's a number eight. <laughs> Robert Dupree is like... Likes to grow his facial hair out, but he's a pretty poised guy, pretty relaxed. And then Jean-Luc Dupre is just like an absolute maniac. So I can I can definitely back um, a few punches thrown from him in this one. But look, I think where it's going to be won is the is in the probably the mobile back row of the the Sharks in a way, and also sorry the the back line of the Sharks I think is is going to be far too potent for the Stormers. Um, Dylan Lades can only do so much. Um, I think the Sharks have a lot more talent there, and um, even though they're playing away, I think they can they can keep it rolling and and hopefully get. I mean, I'm not I'm not hoping that they get above the the Rebels by any means, but I think the way they've been playing lately, it'd be an interesting team to have in the finals. The Sharks. You look at the history between these two teams, and in the last six matchups, the Stormers have only managed to win one of those. Um, Sharks have seemed to have the wood on them for the last few years. Again, it's hard. Again, um, looking at the home field advantage, we know how strong they are at Cape Town. I think I might go Stormers. It's probably a little bit of a foolish pick. It's probably more so I can say that we're going to get two Australian teams in the playoffs because the Sharks are really the main threat of knocking the Rebels off um, that eighth position at the moment. So it may be a little bit, look, my heart just wants the Rebels in, so I want the Sharks to lose. But I think I'll take Stormers. I'll take it with the bookies. Fair call. Well, that wraps up round 18 of the 2018 Super Rugby season. Only two rounds to go, guys. It's all heating up now. Every game means a lot. Oh, I can't wait for this weekend. I'm definitely going to make my way out to Allianz Stadium and hopefully see a really great Tars game victory over the Sunwolves. I'll be there, Arch. Do it. I'll be watching. No, I won't be there, but I'll be cheering. I'll be cheering, boys. Sounds good. Thanks all for tuning in once again, guys. Uh, love to have you come join us for an hour or a little bit more each week. Um, again, keep up to date with everything that's going on. Following us on Facebook and Instagram, that's at Running Rugby Podcast, or check us out on Twitter and tweet us some questions you have, or if you have any other opinions at Running Rugby Pod. Otherwise, 
subscribe, review us, guys. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on Pocket Casts. Lovely to have you drop by. Go the Waratahs, and we'll see you next week. Keep on running. Run. I think the Reds were ever going to win that game. You don't know. I disagree. I you think the Reds had it in Did you them, both but... tip the Reds? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Archie, Archie's tipping to catch up. Leo's tipping because I think oh, I've got some space here to throw out something. I don't care.